As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, April 10th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, day two of Google's Cloud Next conference, an update on the unicorns still queuing up to come to market, the heat death of iTunes is closer to reality, and Walmart doubles down on robots. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Day two of Google's Cloud Next 2019 conference, and so a slew of new headlines. First up, Google Assistant can now integrate with calendars. Live captions are available in Hangouts Meet, and G Suite now works better with Microsoft Office files. These are all part of a slew of updates coming to G Suite, including improved security tools like better phishing and malware detection, and a new security sandbox for G Suite enterprise users. Quoting from TechCrunch, the sandbox allows admins to add an extra layer of protection on top of the standard attachment scans for known viruses and malware. Those existing tools can't fully protect you against zero-day ransomware or sophisticated malware, though. So instead of just letting you open the attachment, this tool executes the attachment in a sandboxed environment to check if there are any security issues, end quote. And speaking of security, Google also said today that any Android device running Android 7 or later can now be used as a physical security key for the purposes of two-factor authentication. Quoting from The Verge, to make your Android phone your security key, you'll just need to connect your phone through Bluetooth to a Chrome browser to verify logins. Some older desktop PCs don't have Bluetooth, but it's pretty universal on laptops. The new authentication scheme works on Gmail, G Suite, Google Cloud, and any other Google account service, and uses the FIDO authentication standard. Google says other websites might join in later on, but it's still in the process of certifying its authentication service, period, end quote. On the dev side, Google announced AI Platform, an end-to-end service for building, testing, and deploying AI models aimed at developers and data scientists. Quoting again from TechCrunch, To do this, the service brings together a variety of existing and new products that allow you to build a full data pipeline to pull in data, label it with the help of a new built-in labeling service, and then either use existing classification, object recognition, or entity extraction models, or use existing tools like AutoML or the cloud machine learning engine to train and deploy custom models, end quote. There's also AutoML Video Intelligence, which can automatically annotate and tag video using object recognition. And there's Document Understanding AI, a serverless platform that automatically classifies, extracts, and structures data from documents. And there's a whole set of plugins for IntelliJ, Visual Studio Code, and environments that aim to make building cloud-native apps easier. Quoting again from TechCrunch. Typically, Google argues, developers edit, compile, and debug their code locally. That's often just fine, but it can also create issues when the production environment doesn't quite match the local one. But building containers comes with its own challenges, and nobody really enjoys writing YAML files by hand just to test code. Indeed, the promise here is that the developer doesn't have to write a single line of YAML. 
The promise then is that you can continue to develop your code just like you used to while Cloud Code handles all of the work of turning it into a cloud-native application. The tools are also integrated with Google's DevOps tools like Cloud Build and Stackdriver, end quote. Facebook also held an event today. Just to let you know that it's still hard at work trying to clean up problematic content on its platforms, or as Facebook puts it, working hard to remove, reduce, and inform. Among the initiatives announced today, a new section of the Facebook Community Standards site where you can go to track the updates that they make each and every month, harsher enforcement policy of Facebook Groups content, New collaborations with outside experts like the Associated Press to identify false news. Changes to newsfeed rankings to reduce what Facebook is calling low-quality content. And new trust indicators in the newsfeed context button. Facebook Messenger is also getting a verified badge and an updated block feature. And you can now remove your posts and comments from a Facebook group after you leave it. I think I said recently that I wanted to shy away from this sort of a thing until the news actually happened, the back and forth of IPOs in the weeks and months before they actually go public. But this is the big narrative of the next several months. So, all right, let's check in with the state of play. Sources are telling Reuters that Uber plans to sell around $10 billion worth of stock at a $90 to $100 billion valuation in its upcoming IPO. The sources say the S1 for said IPO will be made public tomorrow, Thursday. Uber will then begin its roadshow later this month, and the stock will likely start trading in early May. Meanwhile, sources are telling Bloomberg that ahead of its expected IPO in June or July, shares of Slack on private markets, are selling for prices valuing it at around $16 billion. That would represent twice the valuation that Slack raised at in its last round of funding. If you'll recall, Slack is planning to do a direct listing of its shares instead of a traditional IPO, just like Spotify did. And when Spotify did that, they pursued a similar strategy of allowing shareholders to sell shares early in order to gauge what price shares might fetch, on the open market. And finally, there's one big unicorn going public that I've not mentioned yet, because it's not a huge name that a lot of people know, but it does have a characteristic that distinguishes it from the other debutante unicorns. Lyft went public losing money, $911 million in losses in 2018. Pinterest, of course, recently disclosed that it lost $63 million on $756 million in revenue last year, but those losses are shrinking, of course. So Zoom Video Communications is different because it's already profitable. It made $7.6 million in 2018 on $331 million in revenue. Who is Zoom Video Communications? Zoom sells video conferencing software to businesses. All signs point to Zoom going public next week at a price range of $28 to $32 a share. At the top end, that would value Zoom at eight. billion. And actually, that might end up being conservative because if there's a first day pop, and there very likely could be a first day pop, it could be valued at a lot more. The company is actually growing at 100% year over year. So what was I saying recently about all these unicorns coming to market fully mature with no easy growth ahead of them? 
Well, yeah, at least for Zoom, maybe never mind. I did pass on this story yesterday because I wasn't sure there was enough of a tech angle to it. But to heck with it, this is online stuff, and it is an infuriating story. So yes, in case you weren't aware, Congress is about to pass a law that would prohibit the government from offering free online tax filing. Quoting Ars Technica, companies like Intuit, the maker of TurboTax, and H&R Block have lobbied for years to block the IRS from creating such a system. If the tax agency created its own program, which would be similar to programs other developed countries have, it would threaten the industry's profits, end quote. It should be noted that this bill has bipartisan support because lobbying money doesn't discriminate by party. That's what lobbying does. Apparently... Intuit and H&R Block last year spent a combined $6.6 million in lobbying Washington. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 30 better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash ride. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again, and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Sources are telling Guillermo Rambo at 9to5Mac, that the next major version of Mac OS will include standalone music, podcasts, and TV apps, alongside a redesigned, already standalone, Books app. Quote, 
The new music, podcasts, and TV apps will be made using Marzipan, Apple's new technology designed to facilitate the porting of iPad apps to the Mac without too many code changes. It's not clear whether the redesigned Apple Books app will also be made using the technology, but given that the redesign came to iOS first and its usage for the other apps, it's likely that this new Books app will also be using UIKit. With the standalone versions of Apple's media apps coming to the Mac, it's natural to ask, what about iTunes in Mac OS 10.15? According to sources, the next major version of macOS will still include the iTunes app. Since Apple doesn't have a new solution for manually syncing devices such as old iPods and iPhones with the Mac, it's natural to keep iTunes around a little longer, end quote. Yes, but this great unbundling of the functionality of iTunes is finally happening. So you kind of have to figure that for iTunes proper, its days are definitely numbered. As the Wall Street Journal put it in a headline, Walmart is rolling out the robots, expanding its use of in-store tech in the United States. The big shopper-facing news is that there will now be 900 new pickup towers in stores across the U.S. The pickup towers have been around since 2017, and they allow you to order online and then quickly grab the item from a vending machine-like device. But that's not new, really. I mean, we've seen things like Amazon lockers for years. What is new is this, quoting from the Wall Street Journal. The country's largest private employer says at least 300 stores this year will add machines that scan shelves for out-of-stock products. Autonomous floor scrubbers will be deployed in 1,500 stores to help speed up cleaning after a test in hundreds of stores last year. And the number of conveyor belts that automatically scan and sort products as they come off trucks will more than double to 1,200. The company said the addition of a single machine can cut a few hours a day of work previously done by a human or allow Walmart to allocate fewer people to complete a task, a large saving when spread around 4,600 U.S. stores. Executives said they are focused on giving workers more time to do other tasks and on hiring in growing areas like e-commerce, end quote. The Auto S shelf scanners that sit in a charger and then get sent out to the aisles to perform some inventory or pricing task or other, are produced by California-based Bossa Nova Robotics. The Auto-C floor cleaning bots were introduced last fall in conjunction with Brain Corp. Walmart originally ordered 360 of the floor cleaning robots and now plans to roll out 1,500 more. Not that long ago, I told you about that dangerous Triton malware, which seems designed to attack the critical safety systems of things like chemical plants, power plants, etc. Well, researcher FireEye has uncovered a second critical infrastructure site that it says was infected with the malware. Once again, the unknown attackers targeted the facility's Safety Instrumented Systems, or SIS, the combination of hardware and software that critical infrastructure sites use to make sure, you know, nothing goes boom. Quoting from Ars Technica, As was the case in the first intrusion, the attackers focused most of their resources on the facility's OT, or operational technology, which are systems for monitoring and managing physical processes and devices. After establishing an initial foothold on the corporate network, the Triton actor focused most of their effort 
on gaining access to the OT network, FireEye researchers wrote in a report published Wednesday. They did not exhibit activities commonly associated with espionage, such as using keyloggers and screenshot grabbers, browsing files and or exfiltrating large amounts of information. Most of the attack tools they used were focused on network reconnaissance, lateral movement, and maintaining presence in the target environment. Once the attackers in the new attack gained access to the site's SIS controllers, they appeared to focus solely on maintaining this control. This focus involved strategically limiting other activities to lessen the chances of being discovered, end quote. So if you downloaded this episode shortly after it came out and press play right away, you still have time to catch the 6.35 p.m. Eastern launch of the Falcon Heavy rocket. SpaceX always helpfully live streams these launches, so assuming you're hearing this in time and assuming the weather and whatever else cooperated, search for the SpaceX live feed and check out the launch. This is only the second flight of the Falcon Heavy, and the first commercial flight. Last time, it sent a Tesla Roadster into orbit. Maybe there will be another surprise tonight? As Ars Technica points out, in the year or so since its inaugural flight, the Falcon Heavy has done quite a bit to herald the space tech revolution that we've been investigating lately. Quote, Falcon Heavy's most immediate and tangible impact has been with national security missions. In June, only a little more than four months after the vehicle's debut flight, the U.S. Air Force certified the rocket to fly its reconnaissance and communication satellites into orbit. The Air Force also announced that it had selected the Falcon Heavy to launch its classified Air Force Space Command 52 satellite later in 2020. The rocket offers the military access to all of the desired orbits for its spacecraft. With a base launch cost starting at just $90 million, Falcon Heavy has also emerged as a contender for future NASA science missions to the outer planets. After saying for years that the Europa Clipper spacecraft could only launch on the Space Launch System SLS rocket, for example, NASA began talking about the possibility of launching it on a Falcon Heavy due to the ongoing concerns about delays with the larger SLS booster. Planetary scientists have also said the rocket's mere existence has put price pressure on other boosters typically used for deep space probes, end quote. NASA has even hinted that the Falcon Heavy could have a role to play in the agency's plans to return to the moon sometime soon. Quote, there is nothing sacred here that is off the table. NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine has been quoted as saying. FYI, I have so far gotten a grand total of two submissions for questions for the listener call-in slash ask me anything show. Which is cool. We don't have to do one if it's not a thing that's interesting. And for sure, I won't do it this weekend at this point. But I will keep the lines open, as it were. Keep sending in your questions, if you want, to brian at techmeme.com. And if there are enough interesting questions by this time next week, we'll do the call-in show. And if not, we won't. Thank you, though, to both of you who submitted questions, by the way. If you remain the only two, maybe I'll just call you both personally and answer your questions directly. Talk to you tomorrow. 